You are tuned in to the Sparkles and Fairy Lights podcast. Imogen Campbell is your host. Welcome to episode 10 of season 2. I can't believe how the time has flown. Well, as you know by now, the theme of this podcast is balance. We've previously considered how important it is and what can happen when one's life is out of balance. But it would be remiss of me not to mention that sometimes balance is impossible, as based on the Oxford Dictionary definition thereof, which describes balance as a situation in which different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. There are times when you need to make a choice and stick to it. No grabbing elements in equal proportions. No, it is a black or white choice. It is one or the other, not a little of both. It is not cutting back a little here or doing more there. It is not tweaking a mindset, rather it is a wholesale rejection of an idea, ideology or whatever you have in mind. You are either in or out, not in and out. Do you remember Mexit, when the Duke and Duchess of Sussex made the decision to leave royal duties behind? During the course and eventual outcome of the now infamous Sandringham Summit, the late Queen Elizabeth II intimated to Prince Harry that as a couple, they could not be half in, half out. It was either all in or all out. In a way, it can be likened to being pregnant. You either are or you're not. They had to choose. No half measures could be taken. The jury is still out on how that went down, depending on your worldview. Sometimes it is really black or white with no gray areas in between. A topic we will explore in this episode and the next. Right now, in South Africa, we have been privy to the most enthralling jailbreak of a man known as Dabo Bester and his clandestine Bonnie and Clyde-esque relationship with a beautiful doctor and his Houdini-like escape to Tanzania. South Africans are by no means lacking in sensational news as we are so well acquainted with news breaking about widespread and deep-rooted corruption, presidents implicated in wrongdoing, gender-based violence, and much more. But this one feels different. For starters, there is a shocking element to it. Even though South Africans are so hardened to everything, amid brazen corruption and crime, and a time when Al Jazeera expose is exposing embezzlement, fraud, smuggling, you name it, it seems as though the only shock factor still at play is the blatant way crime is committed, the lack of accountability and bald-faced denials of the truth. In a country dubbed the rape capital of the world, where gender-based violence is a national scourge, it felt outrageous to think that Tabo Bester, a convicted rapist and murderer, would be able to escape a high-security prison through now not-so-apparent suicide, even more so considering authorities were informed well before the story truly broke by journalists at Ground Up, a not-for-profit news agency. It was thus an affront that this was allowed to happen given the specific circumstances. If that was a shocker, the kicker was that the beautiful doctor was the paramour, the sidekick of this notorious escapee and Sipmi did not look the part. The mother of two seemed to have it all. A thriving practice attracting celebrities, money, children, the right address, etc. Not only that, 
but she's the one who seemed to have initiated contact with him in jail. Excuse me? It boggles the mind, and I really don't understand. And she was married with a family of her own when she initially reached out to the jailbird, allegedly for his contacts in the beauty world. I will reserve judgment, but as you can imagine, a vast number of South Africans were left scratching their heads, totally perplexed. The trial has just begun, and we are still in the dark about much of what has transpired. According to the Times Live, the doctor faces the following charges. Aiding and abetting escape of a convicted prisoner from lawful custody. Murder of a number of bodies that were found in her possession. Violation of bodies and fraud. At this stage, it is unclear how much Tabo's influence is responsible for her behavior. But the usual passage to success for someone of her caliber is certainly absent here. Long ago, Wham, fronted by the late George Michael, released a song with a refrain, turn a different corner and we never would have met. Upon self-reflection, as she sits incarcerated due to the fact that she's a flight risk, perhaps she may ask herself, what if indeed she had turned a different corner? What if she had made different decisions? Perhaps if she never contacted him those years before, she could still be living the good life. Who knows? Sometimes it is one bad decision that precipitates more bad choices until one is so embroiled in something you're unable to escape unscathed. The point is that sometimes you cannot play with fire. You can't make half-hearted attempts to change. You have to cut something off, make a radical decision. No insipid, weak forms of action are required. To live a truly balanced life, you have to make hard decisions to protect the overall boundaries and balance in your life. Not to do so is stupidity or folly. The Bible warns us not to indulge in folly. The Oxford Dictionary describes folly as follows. A lack of good judgment. The fact of doing something stupid. An activity or idea that shows lack of judgment. How many of us can relate to doing something really stupid? that cost us dearly. How many times have we not heard of people getting hurt or injured because they have indulged in risky behavior and thought that they could get away with it? Think of the guy who attended a party, agreed to drive his friends home after, decided to drink and then caused a high-speed crash that cost the lives of his friends. The guilt and recriminations probably never end while the beauty of a life of peace and balance probably elude him. The only saving grace is literally being forgiven by God. And that driver is doomed to always be wrestling with, with that stupid decision made one night, probably on some weird impulse. In the case of the doctor and the jailbird, the escaped convict was allegedly freed directly as a result of her actions to get him out. Supposedly, he faked his death and she arranged for the body of a man only identified this week to be cremated. She's also been linked to other crimes as well, all the while having a gorgeous facade. Many of my fellow countrymen and women were hoodwinked, and it's precisely why this high-profile case is keeping us spellbound. To boot, her court appearances have shown her kitted out head-to-toe in Nike apparel. Tabo Bester's arrest has brought to light a number of illicit practices in our correctional facilities and he appears to have been running businesses out of jail. 
The rest of us are shaking our heads. Where did it start? Why did it start? With bad judgment on the side of the doctor as she's known? At this stage, we do not have the details and I will move away from the sensationalism of this case and proceed to something infinitely greater. A real spiritual war raging around us whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. Now I've been aware of the spiritual war, but this week it dawned on me more than ever how much is going on behind the scenes in the spiritual realm and how it affects us all. It's a battle we engage in every day, whether we realize it or not. And it's a war we cannot afford to lose. To win, you have to be on the right side. There is no being on the right side some of the time. You have to make a hardcore commitment to one side or the other. That decision will affect every part of your life and everything you do, unwittingly or not. It has been said. Every single thing you do is a reflection of an overarching decision you have made, said differently. With every action you take, you are either witnessing for one side or the other. Hypocrisy sets in when you are undecided. If you choose to walk the way of the light, doing the right thing and being obedient to the word, you make decisions to stop lying, stealing, compromising, etc. and dedicate yourself to the repentance of a number of overt and covert sins. Think Adam and Eve. They committed sin that separated them from God in a big way, even causing them to lose their place in paradise. Some sins we commit ensure that we are separated from God for eternity. Let me quote Revelation 21 verse 8, the New International Version. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This verse highlights specific sins that lead to separation. I will just also tell you what we call a sin list of Galatians 5 verse 19 to 21. And I'd like to quote it to you now and I read as follows. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, they are literally acts and sets of behavior whose consequences have eternal implications. Much like the court case of this doctor will have an outcome, there will definitely be consequences. The accusations leveled at her are serious and years of incarceration should be expected if convicted. But there's still hope. Light in a dire situation. She can repent, turn to God and be saved for eternity. For her, like everyone else, if a decision is made to continue sinning, eternal separation is possible. Now I know some people may wonder what the big deal is. If people have chosen not to walk with God on earth, why should they want to go to heaven, right? If you don't want to talk to God in prayer, why would you want to talk to him in heaven? If you don't like the sound of his voice through his word, why do you want to spend an eternity with him in heaven where the word is king? Yet, what is the other alternative? An eternity with the devil? Some people say that they are looking forward to a life of drinking and partying, carousing in devil heaven. 
that they imagine having illicit relationships and feeling free to do whatever they like. Yes, it is a godless and lawless place. But will they find love, joy and peace there? Quality so many people crave in their lives. We also miss a vital point. The commands of God have been put in place to protect us. That is what boundaries do. They set limits. The problem with mankind is that we do not like limits. We are free, but we just want to be free to do what we want, even if it slowly kills us. What do you mean, you might ask? I think the willful act of smoking. The packaging makes it clear that smoking can kill you. But no, people light up all the time, trying to look cool, de-stress, whatever they tell themselves. Then, when cancer develops as a di direct result of the smoking habit, people want to do everything they can to eradicate it and get their health back. Money and time are employed to get to a state that could have been utterly avoided. Knowing this, why do people light up to start with in the first place? Paul Kulo, the I'm not sure if I pronounced his surname correctly, the Brazilian writer has this to say. A mistake repeated more than once is a choice. Think of the instances. We all do it when we tell ourselves just one more time, then I'll stop. This week, I identified that I'm battling with self-discipline. I confess that the snooze button isn't overused to put it mildly. I see plainly how self-gratification has reared its ugly head and prevents me from attacking my goals with gusto. I face another choice. All in as half-hearted simply won't cut it. So self-discipline is another hard choice laid before us on a daily basis. I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that the devil makes making the wrong choice feel so good. Yes, it's not so easy to do the right thing, is it? Especially when confronted with enormous peer pressure to the contrary. What will motivate us to do the right thing, even when everybody around us tells us it is not important or the desire to conform is overwhelming. Well, let's see what is at stake in the spiritual war. Who is involved in this war? Who leads this war? What is the end result and who will the victor be? What does the Bible say? We know that there are two main characters in this war. One represents light and the other darkness. Both have kingdoms and angels at their beck and call, able to do their bidding. What are the traits of both and what are the hallmarks of their kingdoms? How will you know which is which and why is fighting on God's side so hard yet so important? As I pointed out, there are a lot of similarities. I will focus on Jesus, the one person of the Godhead versus his arch nemesis, Satan, the devil. As I said, they are both powerful and have dominion as described in scripture. Let us break this down. Job 38 verse 7 reveals more than one morning star. Both Satan and Jesus are described as such, but it is Jesus who ultimately tells us that he is the ultimate morning star. I quote from Revelations 22 verse 16 as follows. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. In reference to the fall of Satan, the Bible reveals the following in Isaiah 14 verse 12, quote, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. 
You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. In terms of the spiritual battle, it is clear who has the upper hand. But we continue examining the similarities, this time with regard to the fact that both are defined as being princes. Daniel 8.25 is as follows, and I quote, He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. Who is the prince of princes mentioned here? Commentaries agree that it is the God of gods, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Then in the English Standard Version of the Bible, from Ephesians 2 verse 2, I mean, it mentions a prince and I quote, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Here, the Bible reveals the state of those following the one known as the prince of the power of the air. One is bright light, the other destined for destruction. We are left with a choice. Choose the powerful and eternal one, or one that will ultimately lead to death. Have you made a choice yet? If not, which one will you choose? So what conclusive evidence is there that Jesus' is life and the devil is linked to death, you might ask? Let's consider what the Bible has to say on this. In what is known as the I Am Statements, Jesus emphatically says that He is the way, the truth, and the life, as written in John 14 verse 6. He has come to give us life to the full or in abundance. This is according to John 10 verse 10. The same passage juxtaposes what Satan does. I quote the whole passage from the New International Version as follows. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full end of quote. The problem that arises when facing this is that we often cannot see how the devil is destroying us at the moment we are tempted by whatever is offered. Only later do we see the results of instant gratification. It's never clear up front. Like having a lie in, instead of doing what is required, you find yourself tracing your tail, putting out fires, and generally feeling frazzled when getting up and sticking to the plan would have worked perfectly. With a Christian life, a more cautious approach is often the route to righteousness. Action is not hastily taken, but only executed in wisdom after prayer and fasting. Often it's a long process. God's response to prayer is often wait, and in a time of lightning speed internet and modern conveniences, who is inclined to want to wait? It's a war to resist instant gratification, isn't it? The problem though, is that you and I are faced with a choice. At this juncture, I'm going to let you know that this is the end of part one. We continue our discussion of the vexing nature of choice and what it means to embrace either light or darkness in the spiritual realm in the next episode. We also unpack some more characteristics of the ruler of each. Kindly join me next week when we wrap it up. Until then, goodbye, see you next time. Thank you for lending an ear. If you are new, consider subscribing. And if you feel inclined, please leave a review or let me know your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter.